Um, you know, last week, I ended by saying that God has a sense of humor, right? Well, this morning, my introduction, the first line here, because I don't, I don't keep a whole lot of notes, but the thing in all capital letters says, ever lose anything? This morning, I have lost my wallet. I put it in my pocket before I came up here a while ago the first time. I only went to my office, and then I went back home to pick up Carrie and the kids, and we still can't find it. We don't know where it's at. It's gone somewhere. So there's that sense of humor uh, rearing its, its head this morning. Uh, I think I know where it's at, but Carrie didn't see it there, and I'll go back and look for it later. Uh, but you ever lose anything? It happens at our house all the time. Usually it's not me. Um, you know, I told you the story about losing the, the store money bag that day. So usually I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty on top of things. I don't know where it went today. Other people in our house lose things all the time. Uh, right now we're looking for the back of our Roku remote. I have no idea where it's at. Um, we looked for two weeks, I think, for the rolling pin, and it was in the, the playroom. Um, <laughs> We lose things. And, and you know, and depending on what it is, you get this urgency to find it. So if I was out of breath when you got here this morning, it's because I've been to the house twice. I've been searching everywhere I could trying to find my wallet. Because I wanted to get up here and go, okay, everything's okay. Everything's still okay. I may be thousands of dollars poorer if somebody finds the credit card and uses it, but everything's okay. And that's the way it works. But when we when we lose something, we know that this panic sets in. And we want to find it. I remember one other time where I had given my wallet to Carrie when we went to a movie theater or somewhere. I always give my wallet to Carrie because she carries a purse and I don't. Maybe I should start carrying a purse. I don't know. Um, and we got home and it was like the next day and I was getting ready to go and I was like, well, where's my wallet? Well, I don't know. And we searched and searched and searched and searched and we finally found it in her purse. Uh, but she had changed purses overnight. So... It wasn't the purse that was hanging in the closet. It wasn't the purse that she was using. And so we finally found it. But when you lose something that's important, you understand this urgency. You understand that, you understand why the reasons are there that you lost it to begin with. You begin seeing things. And you know, even now my mind is working in the background thinking, how in the world could I have lost my wallet from my back pocket this morning? And I'm trying to, to, to make that come to my mind. And that's what we do when we begin to do these things. So this morning we're looking at somewhat of a familiar passage of Scripture. Um, one of the things the Bible lacks is stories about the boy Jesus. We have stories about the baby. We have stories about the man. We have one story about the boy Jesus. One story. And that's where we're at this morning. Um, and we have a hard time sometimes wrapping our minds around this text, I think. It's a, it's a difficult thing to, to read. But I think we can learn a lot about the place Jesus should have in our lives just by examining the scripture found in Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 41. And it says, Every year his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. And after those days were over, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents did not know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. 
And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple complex, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked them. Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? That they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you and praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would just take this time, Father. Father, use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel of the words that I speak to yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. And all God's people say, misplaced Jesus. I think that's the uh, the point we have a hard time with in this text. You know, we are 21st century parents and grandparents in this room, and we know of the dangers of this world, and so we go, how did they misplace Jesus? What in the world is going on here that, you know, everything that happened, they went a day. They packed up, they headed home, they were on the road for a day. That'd be the equivalent of me and Carrie getting in the car and not having Shiloh in the back and driving all the way to El Paso and going, where's Shiloh? <laughs> that's, that's how the movie Home Alone starts. I mean, honestly, this is, this is where it is. And so this is the point we have a hard time with. And sometimes it's a different culture. There's things going on in that culture that we don't understand. But, but I think if we look at this account, we can learn some of those ways that we may misplace Jesus. Because we can learn a lot from this story in Mary and Joseph's reactions. And so, there are several ways or reasons that I see in the text that we misplace Jesus in our lives. And by misplacing Jesus, I mean we take him out of that place in the forefront of our life. He's no longer in the center. Ways that he, he gets out of that spot that he deserves. And the first one is, maybe we just get too busy. Mary and Joseph were busy. They had made this trip to Jerusalem to worship. And everything that went along with it, they had to bring with them sacrifices, or at least the money to buy sacrifices. They had to get everything together and get on the road and put the family together. And they were traveling to the party, and there were lots of things going on. You ever taken a road trip? Road trips are fun when they're spontaneous. Road trips aren't quite as fun when you've planned it out and all of a sudden there's all this stuff that goes into it. Because you're packing the back of the car and you're going, I can't fit anything else in here and then one more suitcase comes out that we just have to have. Mary and Joseph were probably pretty busy. There were things that were going on. And so, you know, Jesus at this point is 12, 13. He's, he's a pretty, pretty grown boy at that point. And so here they are. Busy getting things together and what happens, he's just not there. I think we get that way too. Life gets busy. We start having appointments, we start having things that are going on, things that, that jump in the way, and all of a sudden, that time with Jesus gets pushed back. I'll make it up tomorrow, Jesus. I'll make it up Friday, Jesus. I'll make it up when I have more time, Jesus. But we never have more time. There's only 24 hours a day. My favorite professor at Howard Payne was Dr. Roark. 
And he, uh, he would start every class the same way. Well, at the beginning of the semester. He would say, now, when I give an examination, you have that hour to do the examination. Don't ask for more time. You need to learn how to budget your time and know which questions mean what and get it done in that hour because that's all you're given. He said, because you know what? There's never any more time. He said, one of these days, I'm going to die. And if you come to my funeral, if you listen real close, I have a feeling you're going to hear me saying, give me just one more month. I have things I need to do. We don't get more time. But we always say, well, Jesus, I'll make it up tomorrow. Jesus, I'll make it up next week. Jesus, I'll, I'll find the time later on. We get busy, and when we get busy, Jesus is misplaced in our lives. Also, maybe there are other people who need our attention. Mary and Joseph have other children by this point. Not just one. See, with two children, sometimes it becomes impossible, right? Because they both want what the other has. Mary and Joseph have three, four, five children. There are other smaller children to take care of. Other people need their attention. There are things that are going on. We fall on that same track, right? Family problems come up. Things come up at work. People have issues. Things, things that are going on. Believe it or not, one of the hardest jobs I think in the world to keep your quiet time is ministry. Because things always come up. Somebody needs to talk. Somebody needs prayer. Somebody needs a visit. You have to do a sermon. You have to do a Bible study. You have to get ready for this meeting. You have to get ready for that. And you're, sooner or later you're going, all these people need my attention. Where do I have the time for this? And so when other people need our attention, we begin to say, okay, Jesus, I know you'll understand. See, we do that with parents, don't we, too? Mama's always going to be there. I found out the hard way that's not always true. Mama won't always be there. One day, Mama's gone. Jesus is always there. So we say, Jesus, you're always going to be there. I know you'll forgive me. I'll come back to you. I'll give it to you later. Sometimes we just get too busy and we other people need our attention. And sometimes we, we get in a hurry. Right? Mary and Joseph probably wanted to beat the crowd out of Jerusalem. I know I would. You ever been to a big, big, big event? I remember when I was little, and it's bigger now. I remember when I was little, we would go to the Fort Worth Fireworks. And you'd pull into the Tandy Center parking lot back when it was a Tandy Center with the subways and everything else. And it would take two and a half hours to get out of there after the fireworks broke. When you're eight years old and you're sitting in a car for two and a half hours, it feels like you're there for days. Well, you know, Mary and Joseph are probably going, okay, we've got these kids to wrestle, we've got all this stuff to get together, we want to beat the crowd out of the city, let's go, let's get it together. They're in a hurry to get back to life. Because whether we realize it or not, their worship was a lot different than ours in ways because they were giving up days at a time. They were making a trip. They were making a journey. They needed to get back and get back to life and get where it was. They were probably in a hurry, but you know, we get in a hurry all the time. We hurry through life. You know, it's, it's very hard for me to have a quiet time sitting in the living room because the TV's sitting there. And when the kids are up, I don't get to watch anything on TV. <laughs> Man, this is quiet time. It's 5 o'clock in the morning and the kids aren't up. 
And I'm like, okay, Jesus, give me just two minutes now. I'm going to fucking confess. No, 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 no. But we get in a hurry. And we begin to do things so much quicker. And when we get in a hurry, we push Jesus to the side. Jesus, I got more things I got to do, okay? I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to spend my time with you today. I would venture to say that Jesus would rather me spend a good 10 minutes with him than a rush three. But we get in a hurry and say, Jesus, okay, I, I, you know, just, just, just move for a minute. Or <laughs> I was on the road during my quiet time for a while back at the beginning of the year helping some people. And uh, I was like, well, God, how can I do my quiet time? So he said, do it in your car. And I was like, I want to get back home alive. <laughs> do it in my car. Thank you, Jesus, for all you do. Get me home. You know, that's how... Because when I want to have a quiet time with Jesus, I want to talk to Jesus. I don't want to pay attention to the traffic in front of me. But we get in a hurry, and we try to pile things on top. Well, I'll have my quiet time when I'm in the shower. Really? You can't take just a couple minutes and sit down and say, Jesus, I want to talk to you this morning. Because he just wants to talk to you. He wants that time. But we get in a hurry, and we push him to the side. And maybe, maybe, he just get, Jesus gets lost in the crowd. There were a lot of people. There were a lot of people in Jerusalem, and they traveled in groups. And that even says, what does it say? Well, they thought he was with the family and relatives. He's probably with Uncle Joe over there. He's okay. He's over there. And sometimes Jesus gets lost in the crowds of our life. There's so many people and so many things and, and so much issue. He just gets pushed aside. But here's something important this morning that I want us to see. They were at worship and lost. Them. They were at worship and lost. Them. They didn't lose him in the everyday humdrum of life. This was the journey. This was the place. This was the festival. This was where they had go every year. This was the big worship session, and they were at worship and lost Jesus. How often do we come to worship but have no idea where Jesus is? We've probably all been in services where we sat through it going, was Jesus even a part of that? I, I used to I used to get frustrated because I would go and, and, and I would hear these wonderful sermons, but they never mentioned Jesus or God. It was just a sermon. And I would go, where was Jesus in it? The thing is, we misplace him no matter where we're at. And then we don't notice what's lost until we need it. Right? We don't notice what is lost is gone until we need it. Mary and Joseph had traveled a day. A day without seeing Jesus. Can any parent in the room think of a time where you would travel for a whole day and not know where your child was? They didn't travel the whole day. Gone on down the road. I mean, even if I think he's with Uncle Joe, I'm saying, hey, Uncle Joe! Is Jesus over there? I'm finding where Jesus is. And he may have traveled a whole day. And they didn't notice it was gone until it needed him. They went to look for him at the end of the day. Jesus isn't in his bed. Where's, where's Jesus? 
we wait until we're at the bottom of a pit to cry out to God. We don't realize that, that, that we are, we're not where God wants us to be and that Jesus isn't there anymore until we get to that point where we're in trouble. And we say, Jesus, please help me. You know, you know, here, here's the teenage prayer. Jesus, if you'll just, I will. Right? And you can fill in the blanks there. Jesus, if my parents just don't find out, I'll never do it again. What a lie. But anyway, um, you know, that's, that's the prayer. But we do the same thing. We get to that point where we haven't been living the life we want to live, and all of a sudden we look up and things are going sour, and we're like, Jesus! Maybe I'll know some of the young ones might not, but do you know Jerry Flower? He used to tell a story about a man who... Uh, was on a flood. You know, in Mississippi they have levees. The levees broke. Again, flooding around him. He climbed up on the roof of his house. And he sits there on the roof of his house. And, and as it comes up, the water's at the very bottom of the roof and a boat comes by. And he says, sir, get on. Get on. We'll take you to safety. He said, no, no, that's okay. God's going to take care of me. Water keeps rising. A little while later, the boat comes back by. You know, he's, he's up a little higher. Come on, get in. We'll take you to safety. No, no, that's okay. God's going to take Keeps rising. He's standing on the corner of the roof. Water's up to his ankles. Boat comes by. Sir, just get in. We'll take you to safety. No, no, no. That's okay. God's going to take care of me. About an hour later, standing on his chimney. Water up to his ankles. A helicopter comes by. Says, hey, sir, grab the rope. We'll take you to safety. No, no, no. That's okay. God's going to take care of me. The dude dies. He's standing in front of the throne. And he says, God, what happened? You said you were going to take care of me. And he said, you fool, I sent you three boats on a helicopter. <laughs> we get into these situations and that's when we call out to God, not even looking at what God's really given us. How often have we found ourselves in that situation where God has said, here's a hand up. And we go, no, that's not God working. Why? Why can't God send a boat or a helicopter? Why can't God send a physician or a drug? Why can't God do things those ways? But when we, when we find out that He's gone and He's not where we want Him to be, we cry out. And we say, help, help, help. And God usually answers. But what happens though when we misplace Jesus? What happens when, when we take Him out of that place in our life? Well, the first thing is we miss out on fellowship. Now get this, mom and dad, get this, grandma and grandpa. They were missing Jesus for five days. Five days. They traveled a day out of Jerusalem and realized he was gone. They had to travel a day back to get to Jerusalem in order to look for him. And then it says after three days they found him in the temple. They missed Jesus for five days. Didn't know where he was. He's gone. When we misplace Jesus and take him out of that place, we miss out on fellowship with Jesus. We miss out. We don't get to have that relationship like we want it to be. He's not, he's not there. I don't know how many times I've looked up in my life and I go, oh, that's what's missing. I'm not where I need to be. There's no relationship where it needs to be. 
I need to get back to where it is. We missed out on fellowship. But also, it takes energy and time to get the relationship back where it was. Not on Jesus' part, on our part. Because once you break a habit, it's hard to make a new one. You ever, you ever been out of church for, for more than a month? That's a trick question, right? Um, it's a hard habit to get back into, right? When you stop reading your Bible in the morning or in the evening or whatever you do it during the day, it's a hard habit to get going again. Because we grow into the time that we have. It's just like we grow, in, we grow into the money that we have. One of the things that my dad told me, he's like, don't grow into your paychecks. And, and I didn't understand that until I became an adult. And I grew into a paycheck. Because when that paycheck changes or part of that paycheck goes away, you're still in a spot where you need what you were making, but you're not making it anymore. We do the same thing with our time. And so if we carved out 30 minutes in the morning where every morning we read the Bible and we pray and we sing praises to God, but then we get in the habit for a week or two where we're not doing that, something else picks up that time. It might be just sleep. It might be breakfast. It might be the morning workout. It may be something else. It may be something else entirely. But it's so hard because we have to find that energy and that time to say, okay, I'm going to put this time back in. Because if you're not used to getting up early anymore, you know, when's the last time you had to train a kid to go back to bed at a good time and get up at a good time for school? Been up all summer long. You stay up until 1 o'clock and you sleep until noon. Guess what? It's time to get up at 6.30, bud. What? No. We're the same way. Oh, I haven't had my quiet time in two weeks. The alarm goes off at 5 o'clock in your life. energy and time to get that relationship back. Through that, we miss opportunities when we misplace Jesus. What had Jesus been doing for five days? He'd been teaching in the temple. The word says, and everyone was astonished at his knowledge and his answers. And it says, and Mary basically again pondered these things in her heart. If she pondered just the last hour of what he'd been doing for five days, what did she miss in those five days? If God moves in our lives in a radical way in the small times that we spend with him, on those mountaintop experiences we talked about a few days ago, what happens if he's there all the time? What do we miss out on if he's not in the place that he needs to be? What blessings do we miss? How often do we go through life and God has given us a blessing and we just don't recognize it because he's not there in our life where he needs to be, so we miss it. We go, oh. Blessings are, are funny things because blessings are things we don't deserve. But we often talk ourselves and think we deserve it. One of my favorite stories in the Gospels is when Jesus talks about giving up everything to follow him and the disciples go, Woo! We give up everything, Jesus. We're going to be set when we get to heaven. That's the New International Troy version. That's, not <laughs> That's what he says. Oh, man, what, what place are we going to have? And 
says, oh, you'll be taken care of, but the first will be last and the last will be first. It's amazing how we get when we miss the opportunities and the blessings that God gives us because we don't have Jesus where he needs to be. Not only that, we open up ourselves to hurt and danger. You know, it's a good thing that Jesus was Jesus. What if he would have been a normal kid? Who would have been wandering the city looking? Where's Mama and Dad? When Jesus isn't leading us, when Jesus isn't telling us what we need, when Jesus isn't the person directing our lives, we open ourselves up to danger. Because only Jesus knows the path we're supposed to go down. Remember, I was 14 years old. And uh, we were on a road trip. <laughs> we always went to the same place on our road trips, uh, Vegas. So, But we traveled there in a very, very slow pace. So um, we were in the middle of New Mexico. And we came to this place, and there were two roads. One was a highway, and one wasn't. But the one that wasn't was going to cut off like 45 minutes from the trip. And I was like, Dad, this is the one we need to take. You know, we've been in the car for 10 hours. He went about 30 feet down, and he said, no, we don't, we don't know for sure it's going to come out there, so we're not going to. So we turned around, and we drove the extra 45 minutes. I was 14 years old, so I knew everything back then. And um, so we passed by, and I said, see? There it is. There is the road. That's where it came out, Dad. It would have saved us time. But what my dad knew that I didn't at 14 was that that kind of road could be dangerous. There could be rock slides. There could be wildlife. There could be bridges that are washed out. There could be all sorts of things that we didn't want to get into as a family in that van as we traveled down that road. And so he chose the better path. When we don't have Jesus in our lives in that place, we open ourselves up to hurt and danger because he's not telling us where to go. He's not telling us where we need to be. We're making decisions on our own. That's never a good thing. I mean, we make decisions on our own. We find ourselves in places we don't want to be. We also open ourselves up to failure. What, were, what was Mary and Joseph's job? They had been entrusted to raise the Son of God. And they lost him. <laughs> I'm just, you know, when you misplace Jesus, you open yourself up to failure. That would be something you don't want to fail at. You know, I mean, we lost we lost God. He's gone. We'll find him at some point. Kind of like my wallet. I'll find it somewhere, hopefully. Or somebody else will. But when we don't have Jesus in the right spot, we open ourselves up to failure. Because we're not doing the things that God wants us to do. It's so easy for us to think a way is good. When it's really not. There is a, a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. It's Proverbs, right? Proverbs. 
It's so easy for us to say this is the way we should go, but we don't know. God knows. And we can fail. I've seen ministries that should be the most successful things in the world fail because they didn't let God lead it. Because they said, we know how to do this. This is the plan. This is where we're going to go. And God was like, you're not going the direction I told you to go. And so the ministry failed and lots of money was spent and it was just gone down the drain because there was no fruit. Because God wasn't in it. But I love the fact that where they find it? Can you... I just can't imagine looking for my kid for five days. For five days. And the whole country's been there. I mean, this isn't... This isn't like I went to Granberry Walmart and lost Shiloh. I was in Times Square, New Year's Eve, ball drop. Shiloh is gone. We went back to the hotel. Actually... We went back to our hotel that happened to be in Jersey. And Shiloh's gone and we don't know where he's at. That's the kind of crowd. And they're looking for five days. He could be anywhere. I mean, every tribe came to Jerusalem to worship. He could be in any of the places of Israel. He could be spread across the entire nation. Or... He could be in one of those places that Jews came from that wasn't in Israel anymore. Africa. Asia. They were looking. And they looked. And they looked. They probably went to the end that they stayed at. He wasn't there. Went to find some other friends. He wasn't there. And for some reason, the last place they looked was the temple. And that's where he was. You know, Jesus is always where he's supposed to. Always. When I look up and find out that Jesus isn't where he, where I think he is, it's not because Jesus has moved. It's because I moved. We get going in this line and Jesus doesn't go this way. I go this way. Jesus is still going where he's supposed to go. He's straight. He's where he's supposed to be. That's where he's at. All of the main ways we misplace Jesus is us walking away. Is us not doing the things we need to do. Jesus is always where he's supposed to be. There is a song. I heard it in the 90s. I don't know if it's the 90s or 80s. Maybe Barry can tell us. But, um, it's called Just Reach Out. It said, just reach out and he'll reach in. You should do a youth drama too. Um, take your broken heart. I did And there's a line in there that says, Although I've walked 10,000 steps away, don't you know that it's only one step back? For the God who hears me when we pray is the one who's there beside me. He's never going away. Jesus is always where he's supposed to be. He doesn't move. He doesn't leave. If we find ourselves over a left field or right field or wherever we find ourselves at, all we have to do is cry out to Jesus and he brings us back. Man, I try not to preach another sermon here because I'm not thinking about Peter in the water. Mm, okay. <laughs> Peter gets out of the boat, right? He gets out of the boat. He starts to sink and what's he do? Jesus! And he grabs him and he pulls him up because Jesus never left. He was right there. 
far away. And when we find the, the chance to go back, when we find the chance to put in the time and the energy, he's right there waiting. And he's willing. And he wants to hear us. And he wants to be there. And he wants to love us. And he wants to bless us. And he wants to save us. He wants to do those things. Because he's always been there. And he's not going anywhere. That is the amazing promise of God. I am with you always, even until the end of the age. He doesn't go anywhere. We might. I may take a vacation and look up and say, Jesus, where are you? And he's like, I'm right where I've always been, dummy. Come find me. Last night, <laughs> it got hot in our house. No air conditioner because of electricity. So we got in the car and went drive. And then we were going to, and uh, the second text saying it's not down at 10, we're like, okay, well, we'll go to the playground and play at the church. And then Micah got all excited, and then they said, no, it's actually back on. And we're like, woohoo! And we pull up in the driveway, and Micah said, can we still go to the playground? And I said, okay. So we came to the playground, and Micah played with that line for a while. As we were getting ready to leave, Micah's over there in the tree, and she's hot. You play at high school. We're out there going, where did Micah go? Did she go into your house? Because Adeline was already going in to go to bed. I thought Micah had followed her in there. I said, Micah! Micah Ruth! Where were you? We gotta go! Micah! She's over there hiding behind the tree. And she peeks out. She peeks out again. Hide and seek. Why do we play hide and seek with Jesus? There was a point of the story. There was a point of the story. Maybe. Why do we play hide and seek from Jesus? We look up and we think Jesus is hiding. He's behind Micah behind that tree going, peekaboo. He's not saying peekaboo. You're behind the tree. You're the one hiding. Because you're afraid of what he's going to look at in your life. The only time we ever hide from Jesus really is when we think we're hiding something from him. I can't let Jesus know what I'm doing. <laughs> he knows. And he doesn't need an elf on the shelf either. <laughs> Maybe this morning you have been struggling with where Jesus is in your life. <laughs> the times we live in sometimes make it difficult to See Jesus in all of it. And maybe today you're feeling like Jesus moved. I would encourage you to look because I guarantee you Jesus didn't move. You may have. I may have. But Jesus is right where he's always been. And he's waiting. And the amazing thing about the waiting Jesus is that he accepts us right where we are. He may change us. He may clean things out of us. 
He may tell us to change the way we act, but He accepts us where we are. I told you before, I spent a year and a half, two years, trying to make God mad. That was my goal in life. I was mad at God. I was mad at Him. Remember those blessings I talked about thinking I deserved? I think I, I was thinking I deserved a lot better. God, I've been serving you faithfully for three years. That's a whole long time, right? For three years! And this is how you repay me? I'm done. I did everything I could to make you mad. And when he grabbed my attention, he wasn't gruff. He didn't say, what do you think you've been doing? I literally, and I don't, I, I don't know if y'all could have heard it or not. I don't care if y'all could have heard it or not. I know that I heard it. Come home, come home. You are weary, come home. I said, okay. But, God, I can't do what you told me you wanted me to do. Okay, you can't. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. That went on for a while. So we'll, we'll fast forward a little bit. But just like the prodigal son's father, just like that father who waited every day, he was there and he ran and he smothered him with kisses. Maybe today you're the product. Maybe you have misplaced Jesus so badly that it's been a while. It's one step. Maybe 15. I don't know. Get up here. But it's one step where you're at. You just bow your head and say, Father, I want to come home. Maybe this morning. Maybe you've just been hiding from Jesus. Maybe you've been playing hide and seek because you think you're hiding something from Jesus. You're not. He knows. And He loves you. Come back to His grace. Maybe this morning you just want to recenter your focus and say, okay, I need Jesus in the middle. And the only way I'm going to get Jesus in the middle is by putting Him there. Now's the time to do it. But whatever your need, wherever you're at, give it to